The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Good afternoon and hello to this Friday edition of the 630 Chad Afternoon News with me, Morgan Black, and Brad Whisker. We are filling in, pulling double duty. Two for the price of one for Jaylen Nye, who will be back on Monday. And in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to give you some tips on how to prepare for a natural disaster or an emergency. And frankly, I think I need those tips. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, myself included. Uh, this person that we're going to, to chat with is a, an injury prevention researcher at the U of A. I, I've chatted with him in the past, and he, he has a lot of tips to pass on that you may not think of. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. It'll make you think... Oh, yeah, you know what? That's probably a good idea. On that note, Chad listeners, I just want to pose the question to you because our air quality here in Edmonton in the Chad studio, it still is fairly smoky, but it's a lot better. So I just I would just like to know what it's like in your neck of the woods. You can text in 630-630 and uh, let us know your own little personal weather quality index forecast. And now I also... This, these are the things I think about all the time. I wondered yesterday, why does the sky look like that? And so I tracked down Frank Florian from the TELUS World of Science Edmonton to explain why our sky went from a beautiful blue to a sepia tone. When we don't have any stuff in the Earth's atmosphere, the air molecules, the oxygen molecules and nitrogen molecules scatter light. And it scatters light. Uh, we, we have white light coming from the sun. And it just so happens that uh, the blue end of the spectrum is actually closer to the size of the molecules of gas in the atmosphere. So the air molecules would actually scatter that light. Um, and that's why you get a blue sky. Uh, during sunsets, the light has to pass through more of the Earth's atmosphere, so the blue light almost gets entirely scattered away, leaving only the red wavelengths of light, and that's why you see red sunsets. And when you look at this, what you're having is you're having material from these forest fires. Uh, this particulate matter is what we call the suspended material, uh, organic carbon and other things that are up there in the Earth's atmosphere. And this light of the sun has to try to travel through all this stuff, but it can't. The blue light gets scattered all the way, it gets blocked by it, letting only the longer wavelengths of light through, which is more on the orange-red end of the spectrum, because they have a, a longer wavelength, they can get by there. And then the material, the particulate matter, then scatter that in every direction. And it's the amount of scattering that uh, dictates how dark it gets, too. So if you get a lot of scattering and, and not that much light getting through, then it appears even darker outside as well we saw yesterday in some parts of Edmonton. So there you have it if you're wondering what the heck happened to my beautiful blue sky. These are the answers, people. Yeah, I couldn't uh, recite that verbatim, that's for sure. That was uh, that was really scientific, but it, it's amazing to actually explain that because you do wonder, right? I mean, you can you can taste the smoke, you can feel the smoke, and you can see it, of, of course, but yesterday it was so dark outside that you couldn't even see the sun trying to get through. Like, last year it was similar to this, where we had a long stretch in July and another stretch in August where it was smoky in the city and, and the surrounding area, but it was sunny and hot. Yesterday was so different because it was cool and windy and you couldn't even see the sun at all. Well, and to, to me, when I can understand something, it seems less scary to me. So when I when I looked outside and I saw, in my opinion, what looked like doomsday, the, the thing that makes me feel better is knowing 
the science behind it and it's going to go away and, and you wake up this morning and things look so much better but just to have that insight I mean and this is not going to be the last time this happens so now we all I mean hopefully everyone took notes I hope you you <laughs> cracked open your notepad and we're like okay doctor or this is what I do when the wildfire comes Florian says wavelength I, I don't know we could we could always play it again later in the show if you missed a few things but but it's so nice to have the science to understand okay. so, yeah it is and also i just wanted to, to point out that that yesterday you know it, it changed in about 12 hours because we left yesterday around 6 30 here and i live downtown and i was driving through the river valley and i was coming up near the legislature and and underneath underneath there and then onto 109th street and i'm heading i'm heading north towards kingsway on 109th i could not see any of the downtown skyline. I could barely even see halfway up. Like that's how heavy the smoke was yesterday. And at one point, the air quality index reached about 41. Oh. So it was 10 oh plus, and we kept saying 10 plus yesterday throughout the afternoon, but we, we never really knew just how high it got for a while. So the peak behind the curtain is you're thinking like 10 plus. 11, 12, whoa, 13, yeah. 41. It just, it, well, and and the other thing that came to mind when we're breathing in the smoke is this cannot possibly good, be good for me. This uh, can't no. be good for my pets. This can't be good for little people. I also thought about our most vulnerable in Edmonton who are outside the whole day, most of the day. There's, there is no, there is no going back into your house for some fresh air with your air conditioning. That's just relentless. And so we actually, we also reached out to Dr. Sarah Henderson, who's an environmental health expert, and she breaks down why your eyes are stinging. What's making your eyes sting is probably the gases and not the particles. In either case, uh, when you breathe those particles and those gases, they can irritate your respiratory system. And then those particles can go deep into their, your lungs where they can actually cause some inflammation and that inflammation affects your entire body. And this is, this is probably not news to anyone, but her suggestion was if things get outside as bad as it was yesterday in the days to come or later in the summer stay inside but if you are going to be outside and especially if you're working outside certainly an n95 respirator if it is well fitted can provide quite a lot of protection from those particles but not from the gases so um, the most important thing is getting one that fits your face pretty well and that can be a challenge especially if you have a small face if you've got facial hair uh, that's going to interrupt how well that respirator will work for you See, now it's interesting that she brings up the masks and, and people, and I noticed a lot of people walking around with those masks on yesterday, but here's something that I didn't think of, and it surprised me and made me realize just how bad it can be for people working at a fast food restaurant. I was in a rush home yesterday oh. because I wanted to catch the Raptors game, of course, which we'll touch on at some point within the show, but I wanted to get some food and get home quickly so I could catch tip off. So I'm, I'm driving up to the fast food restaurant and then before I even got into the lane, I thought, are they going to be open? Is the drive-through going to be open? Because those folks have to constantly and continuously open that window to take your money and then you drive up and you get your food. So all day you're standing there opening the window closing the window and she was this woman was was wearing a mask but i'd never thought 
of those employees who would be directly impacted. We talk about vulnerable and we talk about how you and I could taste and smell and feel the smoke yesterday. But these people are, are, are right there the entire day opening and closing it. She just, I asked her, I said, how are you doing? And she just said, this is brutal. I really wish I didn't have to do this right now. So it makes you wonder if managers and owners of fast food restaurants at some point on days like yesterday would think of, putting up some cones and saying because of the because of the smoke and because of the situation outside we're asking you to come inside to pay and, and get your food and well and it kind of makes sense because you have to keep your workers safe if they're going to do these extended shifts i um i went to go actually this is a i'll, I'll take a small segue in the story time so i actually left my purse at work drove to go pick up some dones which is a delicious restaurant on what avenue don't know if you, have you been brad no Brad knows how I feel about food. This is this is just a slight aside. Um, realized I forgot my por- my purse. Went inside, um, and I ended up e-transferring the employee some money. So I picked up my food, went home, and I walked outside, and I saw six people in my general vicinity wearing masks. And and I thought to myself, like probably that's a good idea. Like when I went to, on a trip to Japan, everybody's wearing a mask. That's that's kind of just the thing to do because th- there is poor air quality. We're also getting uh, some texts in from our listeners doing their smoke, should we call them a smoke report? A smoke report. We need like a little stinger. Uh, Ross in Sherwood Park says it's still smoky. Uh, in Barhead, I'm one and a half hours northwest of Edmonton in Barhead. It's still very smoky here. Not quite as smoky yesterday, but it's gotten worse throughout the day. Oh, it's getting worse in Barhead. It, would you say, I think it's kind of been stagnant in Edmonton. Yeah, it seems like it's felt the same since the time I woke up till now. I could see around 100 yards at my place in Peace River this morning. And in St. Albert, it's getting heavier with smoke, says Sarah B. It's getting harder to breathe deeply. It's, you, you, I feel like I take for granted clean air. Yeah, I think we all do. I think we all do. And, uh, you know, it, it's these reminders that, uh, that we shouldn't. And on that note, we're going to talk disaster preparedness coming up in about just minutes, I suppose. Uh, We will be discussing how you can prepare for a natural disaster or an emergency right after these. Emergency preparedness is an important topic, but in my opinion, it's not really something we think about as much as we should, or we say in our head, yeah, I have some water bottles in my closet. But is is that really emergency preparedness, Brad? No, and I mean it's so much more than that. It's uh, and and we'll let uh, we'll let Dr. Lewis Franciscetti break it down for us. But uh, it, it involves things like having that go bag ready and, and your gas tank full, and and he has plenty of tips to pass along. And on that note, we welcome the doctor, who is the injury prevention researcher at the University of Alberta. Hello, how are you? Good afternoon. Doing well. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. We are very much looking forward to gaining your insight on this. What are just some some key things that people need to remember when it comes to preparing for an emergency? Well, probably the most important one is if you don't think it's going to happen, you're wrong. It's going to happen. Yesterday at around noon, I was in an office building downtown, and I couldn't see outside the building because of the smoke that was there. Now, if I had a call that said, um, you know, my wife says, uh, we've had to evacuate the home, um, in the middle of the day, I wouldn't know where she is. She wouldn't know where the kids were. Nobody would know where anyone was. And chances are, if we weren't prepared, she wouldn't be able to take anything out of the home. So the first thing you got to do is put a plan in place. When you get home tonight, set aside 20 minutes and say, are we as a family or am I as an individual prepared to evacuate on half an hour's notice? So passports, uh, any medication, prescription glasses, contacts,
contact lenses. Anything that you absolutely need for your day-to-day -day activity should be packed and ready to go. Uh, we've got this big yellow suitcase, and within it we've got two or three days' worth of clothes for everybody, um, a little bit of water, some food, uh, cash, not too much but enough, and we try and keep our vehicles uh, fully fueled all the time in total repair as well. And the important thing to remember is uh, you just asked the 10,000 folks that were evacuated recently, already 80,000 that were evacuated from Fort McMurray. These things happen, and the frequency, whether it's a flood, whether it's an earthquake, whether it's a tornado, are they going to happen? So you have to ask yourself, am I prepared? And the thing before I forget, make sure people are prepared to be able to offer some basic first aid. Um, do you know what to do if someone's not breathing? Do you know how to control some bleeding? Um, these are important things that we never talk about because we never think they're going to happen. We think the government's going to be there. Just assume nobody's going to be there and you're on your own for 72 hours. How are you going to take care of yourself? Doctor, there's thousands of folks in, in Slave Lake right now that are on an eight-hour evacuation alert. And something that you and I have talked about in the past, and it's something that, that needs to be mentioned again, and it's something that really not a lot of people think of, is that family reunification plan. Yeah, and so put a plan in place right now. So pick a uh, family or relative or friend outside of the province, ideally, and uh, say, listen, in, in case we're separated as a family, if this happens during the day or if the kids are out and they haven't been able to get back home, you phone that number and you say, uh, and Mildred, uh, we've got a, an evacuation notice. Uh, you know, uh, Betsy and I are okay, but the three teenagers are out at a concert. If they call you, tell them, to meet us at so-and-so or tell them that we will be at so-and-so so that if you're evacuated to another community and they're evacuated to a different community you both connect with the person predetermined outside the province and that can try and coordinate where you guys are so you can re reunify yourself you got to remember this is very stressful for people and so you've got to have plans in place to deal with the emotional stress that this is going to cause and the other thing is uh, you know, times like this, there's increased risk for heart attacks. There's increased risks for all sorts of diseases flaring up because your immune system is so stressed. So I think it's really important to plan for the unexpected because chances are good. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with something like this. What about the furry members of your family, your pets? Yeah. Yeah, you know, for the little ones, it's easy. You can hopefully grab and go with them. Um, it's harder if you got like a llama or a horse or a sheep or, you know, cattle. But uh, there are people out there that um, will help you as well. And you got to remember, our, you know, emergency response personnel, um, these men and women um, love animals as much as we do, and they really go out of their way to try and save and protect them. But, you know, at the end of the day, forget about the house you can always rebuild it um, you know it's your family and your friends and your neighbors that you got to take care of and so if you know there's a senior that lives by themselves and you're evacuating town uh, please have a plan in place for these seniors that live by themselves and who's going to help them out like we've got neighbors that are in their 90s they still live on an acreage and you know in my mind that's on my list if i've got to evacuate you can rest assured i'm going to knock on their door and uh, have some room to take them with me so don't forget about seniors don't forget about folks with disabilities don't forget about folks that are wheelchair or bed bound um, know your neighbors and be prepared to help your neighbors i mean we're Albertans, and when the times get tough, that's where Albertans step up and help each other. So it's it's the greatest province to probably have an emergency in because um, this is Alberta. We know how to take care of each other. Doctor, when folks leave their home and, and they know they're going to be gone for a couple of days, that 
obviously becomes their biggest concern is is their home going to survive the situation are there tips to for people just in regards to preparing their home for those disasters yeah i mean there's websites that tell you how to do it and there's um you know the the most important thing is probably lock it up right because um you know unfortunately these disasters sometimes bring out the, the worst in people and there are looters and that so same basic precautions you know uh make sure your home is uh, secure some people say shut off the water some people say don't shut off the water regarding the power if you shut off the power and you've got a freezer full of meat um you know you're going to come back and probably lose that so probably best to leave the power on probably best to shut the water off and uh you know if you do leave pets inside put a note up that um you know identifies how many pets and um, you know what kind of pets they are so if rescuers do come at least they know and rescuers have the ability to get into your home so that they'll be able to uh, you know take care of those pets doctor thank you so much for your time and for all of your tips we appreciate it Yeah, no, thank you for doing it. It's important for your listeners. Bye now. All right, that was Dr. Louis Franciscetti. He is the injury prevention researcher at the University of Alberta. Coming up, we will talk fringe after the break.